Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And today we are bringing you a request episode. Uh, this was requested quite a while back um, by a Steve Polivka. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He also, I believe it's him who requested Feeders. He, he gave us a massive list of requests and all the films are fucking great. And this is no exception. Um... So, this isn't even the worst film we've watched today. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. Uh, we went to the cinema this afternoon, didn't we? Yeah. And we watched The Grudge. <laughs> Reboot, remake, sequel, whatever the fuck whatever. it is. <laughs> I'll tell you what it's not. and Absolutely that's, dire. I'll tell you what it's not, and that is The Grudge film. Because the only connection is the fucking noise from The Grudge films. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. It was awful. It was bullshit. It was truly, truly awful. It was flat. It was tired. It was... Generic. Generic. So cliched. Very boring. Uh, there were some really iffy acting choices. Really iffy. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan. A guy in the cinema said halfway through, he was like, this film is so shit. And you know, I think he was just speaking for every person in the room. <laughs> There's like two walkouts. I honestly, I was tempted to walk out, but I just want to see how much worse it can get, and it got pretty. It pretty was bad. just insulting. You know, really cheap jump scares. Yeah. Um. Just you'd. I'd seen it all before. Seen it all before. It's just, and not even in a grudge film. No. It, you know, I'd. It was just like every other fucking horror film. Yeah. You get. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah, well, we might even be discussing this some more on our next episode on Friday because on our uh, Originals versus Remake episode, we're going to be introducing a uh, new segment at the end where we talk about our favourite and least favourite films of the month. And that could be horror, could be any genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that could be the best, but we're also seeing the turn-in um, on Tuesday night and now that's got quite a low IMDb rate. So, you never know, that might be worse than The Grudge. It might be. You have to listen on Friday to find out which one is the bigger piece of dog shit. So, today we're not here to talk about The Grudge, thank God, because I (laughs) cannot do with, like, remembering that film any more than I already can. Instead, we're talking about Clive Barker's Raw Head Rex, directed by George Paolo, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Um, on a... 1,500... No, hang on, that's not right. $1,500,000 budget. Uh, released in 1986. And it's one of seven Books of Blood films. Um, obviously adapted from the Clive Barker Books of Blood. The other films are Book of Blood, Candyman, Lord of Illusions, Midnight Meat Train, Dread, and Quicksilver Highway. The only ones... Of those, I haven't seen a lot of Illusions and Quicksilver Highway. I mean, obviously, Candyman's a masterpiece. Book of Blood, yeah. Uh, Dread, yeah. Midnight Meat Train is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that film. Uh, which ones have you seen out of those? I've only seen Candyman. Well, I'll have to show you Midnight Meat Train. Um, Quicksilver Highway doesn't look too great. Um, Lord of Illusions, I think, has a bit of a cult following. I think so. Um I always saw it, like, advertised on, like, late-night TV. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you know what? This film is technically not a good film on paper, but 
it's a fun film. It's in the same sort of category as the likes of Troll 2, um, Birdemic, The Room, and films like that. Films that are not good, but they're a lot of fun. I found with this film that it, it took itself too seriously. Yeah, and that's why it's so funny. And because, because it took itself too yeah. seriously, it, it was comical. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, obviously, you know, yourself, you really despise a bad film when we watch a bad film, but as, you know, watching this film, did yeah. you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. For what it was? For what it was, I mean, it's not a good film. Um, going back to The Grudge, unfortunately, you know, The Grudge was just... Bad. Bad. Because it put, it put no, absolutely no effort into it. And I, I will always say it, I, there's always something fun to find in bad cinema. Yeah. You know, when we watched The Room, Troll 2, you know, the, the uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, you know, there's something fun to find in it. Now, is, is that the filmmaker's intentions? No, no And not. that's why it's so entertaining. And it's why. And with this one, there are funny moments... And they're funny because the filmmakers took the film far too seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose entertaining to watch a good film. No, um, you know it wasn't the filmmakers' intent to be funny. No. So it it, it can't it can't be a good film. No. I, I yeah I, I don't rate it highly. Um, I. I I'd watched it once previously and I, I didn't really intend on watching it ever again but here we are yeah. <laughs> discussing it in for depth. me you, you know you've got a, a good bad film when you dissect it and it's still entertaining because I mean there's a lot of films that I thought might have been more fun if we watched them like not for the podcast but with this I've dissected it and I still found it funny and entertaining there's a fair bit of guff though in this oh, yeah. film yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of... to talk about yeah, but um, Guff was in sort of um, explanatory moments that are a bit boring. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I've caught, well, no bad films without its boring moments. Well, no, I, I see, I don't think that, though. I don't think there's any boring moments in the room. Each one of those scenes is... Even when he's setting up a tape recorder. Funny. <laughs> That's funny, though. <laughs> That's funny. The long panning shots of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny though. I mean, I'm entertained because I'm laughing at it. I suppose. Yeah. Whereas with this, there there are moments where I'm not really laughing because I'm not really interested. Yeah. Well, let's get into the trivia. Clive Barker despises this film. Yeah, you, he fucking you it hates it. Clive Barker's Rawhead Rex. Now, is that how it was advertised? No, but he did write the screenplay. Yeah. But um, is it a case of, like, Wes Craven's... No, um, it's not. But, I mean, everyone who knows this film knows it's associated with Clive Barker's adapted from yeah. one of, you know, his novels. Um, yeah, he, he hates it. And uh, this is actually the reason he directed Hellraiser. Because uh, he didn't want, you know, the same thing to happen again. So he decided to take a more hands-on role. Oh, something good came out of it, then. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain like that. The special effects team only had four weeks to make the costume. Oh. Hence why it looks so fucking cheap. It does. And that I think that's the biggest problem that this film has. Yeah. Is that the Rawhead Rex outfit not only <laughs> goes against Clive Barker's wishes that his face... The whole idea was that his face looked like raw meat. Yeah. 
therefore his name was Rawhead Rex. So because this creature in this film has pretty much a fully formed face, really. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes the whole idea... What the fuck does Rawhead Rex mean? Kind of looks like if someone made a rubber mask of the werewolf transformation from American Werewolf in London, the bit when his face is being pushed out. Yeah. Looks like if someone made a rubber mask of that, attached it to a latex suit uh, that is... And latex leather made up to look like Tina Turner from uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome's <laughs> costume um, and then throw all that together and then you got Rawhead Rex <laughs> very Beyond Thunderdome <laughs> honestly you can't look at Rawhead Rex without thinking of Tina Turner well, I mean now you won't be able to after yeah, listening to this um, but the yeah the and we're not of... saying that the face looked like Tina Turner. No, the hair on the other hand. <laughs> the hair, yes, yes. Was Beyond much. Thunderdome before this or after? Beyond Thunderdome, I think, was after this. Oh, so you're telling me Tina Turner took her inspiration it, it, from Rawhead well Rex? Could have been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't even need to watch the whole uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Just watch the uh, "We Don't Need Another Hero" video. And uh, you'll you'll see what we mean. Yeah, she's, and she's wearing a costume. We stand a legend, and Tina Turner's a legend. But yes, yeah, she's getting a fashion advice from Rawhead Rex. We stand Tina Turner cosplaying as Rawhead Rex. <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter Mayhew was the original choice. Chewbacca, of course, was uh, their original choice to play Rex, but. Um, he's a bit too expensive. A bit too. Ex- I do find sometimes this a bit <laughs> funny. Um, Stuff like it's when this whole thing surrounding Star Wars and you get these conventions and there's a dude there signing autographs <laughs> and it's like, Well, who did he play in Star Wars? Oh, he was the third Ewok on the left. Stormtrooper twenty one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the idea of Peter Mayhew likes it, oh no. <laughs> far too far too good for that. Far too expensive. Like, Peter mm-hmm. Mayhew is basically just in a... I mean, he's a central character. He was just a tall guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he could have been Rawhead Rex. Um, it was shot during freezing cold weather conditions and they had to hose down snow before uh, most takes. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it was filmed in Ireland, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, so that great Irish slash British weather. Well, getting into the film, the plot is... Ireland will never be the same after Rawhead Rex, a a particularly nasty demon, is released from his underground prison by an unwitting farmer. Particularly nasty. Particularly nasty. He's particularly nasty. Those nice demons that go around. (laughs) Also, Ireland won't be the same. Ireland will never be the same again. Spoiler alert, it all ends, it all begins and ends in the same village. (laughs) You don't travel out anywhere. It's <laughs> true. And it all happens in a few days, really. Well, maybe Ireland will never be the same again because everyone caught onto the fashion sense. And that's how Tina heard about there it. There we go. Everyone Get started Tina dressing alone. like him. <laughs> so we start out with a bland black background title card with some opening credits. It's pretty short, but it's basically what you see in every horror film in the 80s. Um, immediately after that, we are given a big island slap in the face. Because it is so obvious this film's in Ireland before it even says it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just, like... You just look at Stroway and, like, yeah, okay, that's Ireland. Well, this dude lights up his Marlborough. Yes. he's driving. Driving for a very long time over the credit. A lot of the films on this podcast have had 
prolonged periods of driving in them. It's true. Um, particularly over the uh, opening credits. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know if, you know, there's... Uh... We'll have to... Um, we'll have to cover the uh, the godfather of driving opening credits films soon. Birdemic. Birdemic, <laughs> yes. Oh, God, yeah. Fucking five-minute this... opening credit sequence of driving. That's... Yeah. You know I you've got a bad film there. when that starts. We'll have to do our research and see what's in there. What, what does that mean? Well, a bunch of farmers with their tractor and a car are trying to pull over a Stonehenge-looking statue I thought it rock was thing. tree trunk, if I'm being honest. I don't know what the fuck it was. It, it wasn't. It does turn out it's some sort of, like, stone column or something. Very phallic. Yeah. And, yeah. But I, I thought it was a tree stump, to be fair. Well, they're trying to pull it over. They can't do it. And then we're showing church windows, and there's a portrait of uh, Rawhead Rex on the window. Because <laughs> uh, that's in the, you know in the stained glass window. And then we get the worst fucking actor in this entire film. Oh God, yeah. The Virgin Priest. Virgin. Who... No, not the Virgin Priest. He is the Verger. Oh, I thought the Virgin. I thought you were no. saying Virgin. <laughs> I got Virgin written down loads of times on here. I thought. <laughs> I thought he was telling Howard he was a virgin. No. And because of how bad his acting was, I wasn't even surprised. No, he's the verger. Oh, well, the verger. Did you ever watch Vicar of Dibley? No. Oh, you know Alice from the Vicar of Dibley? Yeah. Well, she was the verger. Oh, okay. Well, she was like sense. the little handy assistant. Well, no matter person. what the fuck he is, he can't act. <laughs> and he prince. also can't sing either. We get some really loud, out-of-key singing to introduce him. Um, he's in church with uh, some of the villagers, and they're all singing a song with some very inventive lyrics. It's just hallelujah. It's just fucking hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know if he's trolling them and seeing how far they'll go. It's just singing hallelujah again like, and again and again. It was like the script writer was like, okay, we need to think of lyrics for a church hymn, but we can't use anything cast because of copyright. Oh, I know what we'll sing. Hallelujah. But I don't, but I don't think hymns have copyrights. They might do. They wouldn't. Who would own them? The Pope? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, so the, the, the virgin priest is uh, singing out a key. They're all having a nice sing song to hallelujah. Uh, and there's a light shining in yes. Rawhead. So this stained glass window has caught the light. And through Rawhead Rex's eyes is this red beam that goes straight onto the uh, verger. Yeah. And uh, the photographer, <laughs> Howard, is uh, taking pictures of, a, of the graveyard surrounding the church. Um, and then we, we're cut between this and the farmers trying to pull over Stonehenge. Uh, and budget John Candy says he's got to go home. His dinner's on the table. I don't know how he fucking knows his dinner's on the table. <laughs> it's not like he had mobile phones back then. He didn't get a text telling him. Uh, so they leave this one farmer on his own to carry on pulling it over. Um, the photographer's kid turns up and tries getting him to go home. They're still singing hallelujah. Smoke starts coming out of the ground. Lightning strikes the rock and uh, it falls over. Uh, but as it falls over, there's a lady in church who, for some reason, is picking up her vase of flowers. <laughs> and she throws the vase of flowers to the ground and starts screaming. Yeah, so this 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> it's an. Uh, it's a lot, and it just ends with her throwing this fucking vase. I don't know how she's like psychically connected to it all. No one yeah. else. <laughs> no, this is never explained. Yeah, yeah, it's just her. Just her. But one thing this film does quite a lot is uh, it tends to switch between scenes like at a breakneck speed. Yeah. Like that. That entire first five minutes is insane. It just. So much happens, and as soon as she throws that vase over and has a little meltdown, Rex rises. Rawhead Rex rises from the ground. We well, did with a jump. With a jump, yeah, with a big leap yeah. in the air. Yeah, he jumps out, uh, revealing his outfit, and um, nipples out. Nipples out. He's, he's got some abs. He is ripped. Oh yeah, he is. He, yeah. he has been working out in half. Rawhead ripped. <laughs> Rawhead ripped. The vase lady um, felt like she was burning. Apparently. Apparently. Um, and you know, that's the last we see of her. But that is actually, in fairness, that is the last you see of her. So, I don't know, Warhead's wife or something. I don't know. She's connected to it all. So yeah. You never see her again, so it don't matter. Well, Howard, the photographer, is. Uh, he goes and has a chat with the priest. Uh, he says he's looking for Reverend Coot. Yeah. Yeah. And then makes a shit joke about um, is he old? Yeah. Something like that. Well, the phrase is old coot. Oh, okay. It? Yeah. You're familiar with all the phrases in this it's, film. This, I apparently knew none of them. <laughs> this American bloke, he, he's got some awful banter. Yeah. Some shit banter throughout. Um, and then this is the beginning. So, uh, yeah. And we sl- we slowly see um, we slowly see his acting deteriorate as the movie yes. goes on. Yeah. Like, at first, he's not awful. But then, as it goes on, fucking hell. I find as his volume grows, yeah. his acting goes out the door. Yeah, I mean, the same kind of stuff for the priest is just terrible from the get-go. The verger. The virgin priest. <laughs> no, no, the verger. So it's the verger, but he's looking for the priest. Yes. Who's Reverend Coot. So, yeah. <laughs> um, he tells him where to go. He tells, tells uh, Howard where to go, so he goes off. And then uh, verger priest, or whatever, puts his hand on the altar tablecloth. I would soon find out this tablecloth has got some magic powers. Yes. <laughs> or maybe what's underneath it. Um, there's a red glow, bit of screaming, and we see Rawhead Rex's mouth. Yeah, so this verger is some sort of vision going through the woods, and then it ends on Rawhead Rex's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's it. And that's it. It is. Howard meets with Coop, and they talk churches for a bit. And this is one of the scenes like no, you but mentioned. The Virgil, actually, in fairness, that's not just it. My apologies. Is it not? No, the Virgil goes to the window, the stained glass window, and goes... Oh, he does. Rawhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. <laughs> Rawhead. <laughs> I can't do an Irish accent, so I'm not even going to try. Um, yeah, so they, they talk a bit of churches, Coot and Howard... This yeah, is one of the boring sequences you're talking yes, about. It just goes on. Talk about prolific sites or, or whatever. Howard reveals that he's staying in the tall man pub, um, hotel, place, whatever. Yeah. And Coot seems a little shocked by this. You're staying in the tall man? Yeah. yeah. And again, that goes nowhere. <laughs> the Peter Mayhew. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, uh, it, then it, we cut to Howard going home to his family. Uh, his kids are fucking arguing. They're little bastards. They are annoying. Kids. They are annoying. Like, um, 
Yeah. I, I don't even know what they were arguing about. They were just fucking... They were just getting on each other's nerves. Yeah. Um, and then the, his wife's just done nothing She has had it. She's just, she's just going, give a shit. She don't even tell him off. She's no. Just she hates them. She, she, she just, you can tell she hates those she, fucking yeah, kids. Yeah, she don't like her kids. <laughs> she don't like Ireland. She wants to go home to the States. She wants to go to Dublin. Like, she, she really wants to go to Dublin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, she does want to go to Dublin. Yeah. She just wants, she just wants to go to the pub. She just yeah. wants to go home, Basically. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but, you know, Howard's quite content. He's all right with it. Well, he's got his shit to finish, isn't he? Yeah. You know, she doesn't realise that what he's doing is putting the food on the table. Yeah. So um, she needs to realise <laughs> that if he needs to hang around a little bit more for his work, then she can have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. They, they, and then he tells the kids to shut up. They finally. have some really weird chemistry, this family. <laughs> it's really strange. They bicker like nobody's business. And then... And then the t- flip of a coin, they're like, oh, I love you so much. Yeah, Gosh. but then the wife is like really horny all the time. She is, yeah. Like, she, she is always wanting a bit of the D, the, the Howard D. The Howard D. But uh, no, he's too busy for that. He's, you know, he's busy looking at churches. Um... We are then shown Dennis, who was, I believe, one of the farmers trying to he pull was the stone one of the over. He goes home to his wife, Jenny. Uh, he's getting a dinner prepared, uh, chopping up some meat and veg and <laughs> such. She's got a stew on. Get some really intense shots of her cutting up food. <laughs> it's intercut with him being oh, chased. Oh, yeah, because it? it's, this film is intercut with another scene. Um... The shed door's been, like, ripped open by something, so he goes to have a look. And, uh, yeah, he finds he finds Rawhead Rex. Well, he goes to shut the door. It's broken. So he's like, oh, what's going on here, then? Goes inside the, the barn. I'm assuming it was a barn. I'm going to call it one. And uh, we get a point-of-view shot from Rawhead yeah. Rex, which I don't get. You know, Michael Myers, yes, stalked babysitters. You know, so he's hiding and he's waiting for his moment. But Roy Hedrex is meant to be this demon that's been underground for thousands of years. <laughs> you know, he's big. You know, he's eight foot. <coughs> he's ripped. What the fuck is he skulking behind corners? Oh, that's what makes me laugh. The scenes in this film where the characters pretend they can't see him. Yeah. It's like, how can you miss him? His eyes glow red. But <laughs> yeah. like, his eyes are lighting up all the time. What, why is, what's he hiding for? <laughs> Just go in and, you know, if you want to eat him, which I'm assuming, you know, he eats all of his victims, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, if he wants to go down and chow down on them, then... Uh, just do it. What are you hiding for? Well, he doesn't want to eat uh, Dennis just yet. Instead, he scratches him to death. Yes. Um, he does steal the body, though, in a, in a bit. Um, but first, he has to take care of Jenny, who drops the dinner. She sees what's going on, and all that time we watched her cut up that food is a fucking waste. I know. She's just dropped the pot. food gone to waste. Um... And then, uh, it's quite rude, actually. She she runs away thinking he wants to kill her straight away, but he, he actually doesn't because she locks herself in a room, but he just comes in and trashes the place. Yeah, I don't, I don't get... I don't know what so the she's lying on the floor. She's, she's a pregnant lady. Well, we don't find that out just yet. First of all, Rawhead Rex chases her, but then he... Um, well, we know she's pregnant. No, she's... we only know she's pregnant when he rips part of her top off to reveal it. 
Well, she certainly looked pregnant when she, was, when she was cooking. But it made a point. Like, the camera made a point of zooming in when he yes, ripped no, it open yeah. to show she was pregnant. Yes. Well, she's a pregnant lady. And it looks like he's going to, like, rip her baby out. Yeah. The hard way. And then uh, just doesn't. Yeah. Now, I put down here that it's sort of implied that... He couldn't kill her because she was pregnant. Now, why do I think I've seen a film with this plot before? I seem to remember we watched a film where the plot was someone, uh, a killer or whatever, couldn't kill someone because they were pregnant. And I can't remember what it was. If anyone knows what this film is, please let us know. Um, It doesn't make any sense, really. Well, no, but this isn't touched on again. No. This isn't brought back up. Is it just the filmmakers... De- but if the filmmakers were like, oh, no, I don't... I don't, You know, we don't want to show a pregnant woman being killed, then don't make her pregnant. Yeah, I mean, it's written by fucking Clive Barker. Do you think he'd give a shit? Yeah, I don't... I don't get... I don't get what the point of that was. No. You know, are you, are you humanising raw head wax? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he it must just... go to the gym, so he is human. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> like, emotionally... Like, as an audience, you know, do we... Oh, are we meant to like him because he doesn't kill the pregnant woman? Maybe. Even though she's just he's just killed her husband. And, spoiler alert, kills a child later on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think they may have uh, just I think forgotten to put the scene in. <laughs> in fairness, because it, it cuts away, so you think that she's been killed... Um, but it turns out that she hasn't. I think maybe the filmmakers were just a little scared mm. of having that in there. But it just begs the question, that, then why make her pregnant in the first place? Yeah, it's true. Well, Howard and his wife are having a walk in the street and they decide to have a nice passionate kiss. Oh, yeah. Right in the middle of the street. Like, they really start going for it. It's and then Americans. the Americans, uh, they go over to Ireland. Yeah. Start getting on in the street and uh, then he tells her she has very dirty eyes. Oh. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. Like, but she seems to enjoy it, so she seems to enjoy the compliment. And then we get the most random nod to "Don't Look Now." But it's a nod that seems to go on forever. It goes on for a while, and you you think this character's gonna? Do you know what? The more I'm reading back, there's so much of this film that didn't come back. <laughs> oh yeah, just thought happens. Oh, okay. It, like this character turns up wearing a red coat, of course, like the one from Don't Look Now. And, uh, it's an old lady, so the, yeah, the face so, is fairly similar yeah. to the dwarf from Don't Look Now. And uh, Howard's wife is uh, looking at her like she knows her, and then she's like, oh, I recognise her from somewhere. And it's like, yeah, another film. <laughs> yeah, a far superior film. Yeah, and she's like, no, there's something mysterious about her. There's something, there's just something weird. It's like, okay, so where is this going? It goes nowhere, it that's goes it. Nowhere. It is just there for a nod it's to just, Don't Look Now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, all pointless. Yeah, so a guy with a gas canister turns up to uh, Dennis and Jenny's house. Uh, he finds Jenny and uh, she just screams in his face. It looks like, so I don't know what they were going for, it looks like she's about to like bite him. Yeah. She goes straight, it's a point of view from his point of view. Um, it was a point of view camera shot from his point of view. And she's coming straight to the camera. It looks like she's just about to bite him. 
And then she goes back and just starts screaming. Yeah. And that's the last you see of her. It is. Um, except for when she's being taken out on a stretcher. Oh, yeah. Whilst the detective discusses that it could be a revenge killing. The fuck wants revenge on Dennis? He looks like he fucking <laughs> doesn't even know that many people. Yeah, and he, he states that it must be about three people that did it. Yeah. Yeah, it must be three people that did this. Well, then we get a bedroom shot of um, Howard and his wife. And uh, he says to her, you were talking in your sleep last night. Who the hell is Big Jake? And she says, wouldn't you like to know? More quality banter. Who is Big Jake? We never find out. No. Rawhead Rex. Rawhead Rex, yeah. Um, So, yeah, he, he goes out for a walk. And then we're showing a couple making out in a caravan whilst uh, a kid with a fucking awful mullet watches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this kid's deliberately being annoying and deliberately hanging around so that they can't get it on. And, yeah. And uh, the, the young boyfriend, he's absolutely fuming about it. Oh, he this. hates him. Absolutely hates him. Absolutely fuming. Cannot stand him. It, and pff, he should be more angry at his eyebrows. It's fucking <laughs> yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, there's worse to come. What was on the kids, the back of the kids' T-shirt? Oh, muscle, muscle yeah. power or like something. Muscle power or something, yeah. <laughs> muscle UK? No, it was mu- no. I swear it was muscle power. <laughs> on the front. Oh, on the on front the, it says UK. On the, no, it didn't say, oh, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it says UK on the front and muscle power muscle on the back. Muscle power on the back. Um, but then when this kid speaks, and the kid we later find out, his name's Little Neil, um... His voice doesn't match his face at all. No. Like, it, it's quite jarring. Um, like, he's got a really manly voice for a child. <laughs> he has, actually, yeah. Um, the, the couple inside that have had enough, so they, they go outside, lock him in. Yeah, they're forced to go outside into the woods to get saucy. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, the guy with the terrible eyebrows takes little Neil's uh, robot toy outside of him. But he's fuming with him, and he wants to get a bit Proves of revenge. Proves a point. Yeah. Um, puts it on the floor. Rawhead Rex apparently doesn't like uh, toys because he smashes it up. Um, yeah. And the little Neil finds his toy when he gets out of the caravan. And he says, pig, you bloody pig. Yeah. With about as much enthusiasm as that. Yeah. So he's following them into the woods. Yeah, Andy and Katrina. We find out her name's Katrina. His oh, name's Andy. Yeah, Andy and Katrina. Making out against a tree. Yeah, and then he, he little Neil, finds Rawhead Rex. Yeah, eating Dennis. Eating Dennis. And he kind of, like, rips Dennis's shirt off a bit. Like, I get the feeling that Rawhead Rex might be a gay character. Uh, I think there's potential, particularly seen later on. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. Homoerotic demon dresses Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty much the crowd used to get in rainbows on a Friday night in Coventry. <laughs> so, okay, come on, uh, LGBTQ representation. I, know, I mean, you know, we're an LGBT podcast, and uh, this is a, a an intentional gay film that we just realised right now. Um, <laughs> so. Little Neil. It's not a good representation, <laughs> is it? Well, no, I mean, he is a, you know, flesh-eating demon. Um, well, Clive Barker's gay. Yeah. So that that explains it. Little, anyway, it doesn't I'm gonna... explain. Just because you're gay doesn't mean everything you're right is gay. Um, have you heard my band songs? <laughs> is Candyman gay? Dep- 
depends which way you look at it. No. Hellraiser is very gay. Is it? I'd say so. Would you? Yeah. Even though it's based on a straight uh, relationship, I think everything around it is very, very gay. Frank is clearly enjoying everything that he's getting from the male Cenobites and such and how. Okay. Hellraiser is so gay. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it really, look into it a bit. Candyman mm. isn't. Because, I mean, let's face it, the Cenobites, then male, female, and they don't choose who they want based on gender. And it's about pleasure and pain. Okay. So technically, Pinhead's bisexual. That is your Clive Barker lesson of the day. There we go. Thank you very much. So. <laughs> if we had Clive in the room, would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah? I think so. So, little Neil... <laughs> Sorry, it's Pride Month coming up soon. We'll discuss it all then. <laughs> we'll do Hellraiser. Um, so little Neil goes to uh, another caravan for help. And in this caravan, we've got an alcoholic and a woman doing some knitting. <laughs> yeah. um, an alcoholic. He's got beer in his hand. Yeah, but he's like acts really like... In fairness, we only see him in two scenes. And in both, both scenes, scenes he has beer. He's got a beer on the go. And well, he's fallen asleep with a beer yeah. in his hand this, this scene. It's very much indicating that he's an alcoholic. Um, so the woman answers the door and she's like, it's little Neil. And that's when we find out what his name is. Um, and he's just sitting there. He won't say anything. Um, he's shocked. He's in yeah. shock. Katrina and Andy find Dennis's corpse and this causes little Neil to scream. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. And this scream. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It is like the kid from House by the Savagery. Oh God, he's, yeah. Ah! Oh, bloody hell, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't understand how um, he's psychically connected, no. Uh, a scene that I refuse to believe was not writ- uh, was not wrote as a comedic scene. Um, Rawhead Rex comes out, you don't see what he does, you hear a ripping sound. Katrina goes to this caravan where uh, little Neil is, and uh, she still has Andy's hand attached to her. Yeah, <laughs> so they're running through the woods holding hands. <laughs> and uh, like Rawhead Rex comes out and goes like towards Andy and <laughs> Katrina carry on running thinking that Andy's still holding yeah, her how hands. does she not know that, he's, that she's only got his hand attached to her <laughs> how light is this guy yeah <laughs> uh, but then she raises her hand and it's only his hand attached yeah there we go um, so Howard has a run-in, sort of run-in, um, he's at the bottom of a hill, he looks up and Rawhead's just standing there, showing off his abs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, made eye contact with him, but yeah. didn't really do anything about it. Nothing happens. No. Um, Howard goes home, uh, says that there's a, something going on, and there's been some sort of accident, and his daughter's like, oh, was there any blood? Yeah. Um, okay. It's quite young as well. She's yeah. about five or six. Get, get this child checked out. What the fuck? Yeah. Surely there is any blood. Um, but then we find out after this, Rawhead Rex has ripped off Andy's head. Yeah. And he holds it up just like his Predator. I was going to say. Oh, this would have been before Predator, though. Was it? it? No. Yeah. This film could be highly influential. It could. Doubtful. Yeah. But it could be. I'm sure there's other films where monsters have held up. I don't know. Heads, though. I don't know. I always thought Predator was the first. No. 
Predator was Predator was head and spine though, wasn't it? That yeah. that was the whole. Yeah. It was a bit more gruesome because the spine was still attached, but there has to. There's got to be creature features that have the the creature holding up a decapitated head. Maybe. Yeah. Well, also on a subject of the, I'm sure um, shit like that's from mythology and yeah, stuff like that. Probably. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, also on a subject of the uh, deaths in this film, the, the special effects are actually... Well, no, no. The practical effects are actually quite good. Do you know what? I would say that the other special effect, apart from raw head wrecks, you know, when it does the lightningy thing. Yeah, the, the scene... It ain't that bad. I've seen much worse. Yeah. I've seen much worse on a higher budget. So I'm not complaining yeah. too much. The practical effects outshine those weird digital effects at the end. Um, yeah. Like, there's some really good gore in this. And, you know, this has got a cult following. And I can see why. Because, I mean, I suppose in... If you overlook the faults, it could be a decent horror film because of those kills, but you've got to be really, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, could, I couldn't enjoy this as a straight-up horror film myself. No. I mean, but I don't know if that's because I knew about the reputation going into it. Because obviously it's a court film because of how bad it is. But there's some people out there, like people commented on our post earlier, who actually enjoy it as a horror film and think it's quite scary. Yeah. We're not here to judge other people's no. taste. We're, we're just giving you our opinions and our taste. You know, I, I don't... I'm not a huge fan of telling people that they're not allowed to like or dislike something. Um, I mean, in terms of discourse on film, you know, if, if somebody's blatantly lying, <laughs> you know, if somebody said, you know, that they didn't like The Godfather... Mm. Um, if someone says they like cats or, or no but I, I mean but if, if they're not giving proper reasons for yeah. it if you can give me a proper reason either I didn't like The Godfather because I don't like gangster films okay that's your personal yeah. preference that's fine if, if you're saying I didn't like The Godfather I didn't think it was acted very well then you're bullshit you're a little if, it's yeah. a little iffy there you've just been well, a bit of a troll the guys who commented on our post earlier they were you know they seem to have a lot of nostalgia attached to this. And I've said, and I, I think I say this quite a lot on this podcast, there are certain films that I have a nostalgia attached to that other people would think would dire. Mm. And it goes the, the other way around. You know, I never watched Raw Head Rex when I was younger. You know, um, but there were, oh, um, films like, uh, what, do, what film do people hate? Urban Legend Part 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched that shit when I was younger. Yeah. We'd probably watch it now and think, oh, it's a little iffy. But I've got a nostalgia know. attached to Yeah. Because, you know, I had it on VHS. Yeah, I and mean... Certain films that I had, that I watched growing up, that I do know, I knew with Dyer back then, American Psycho 2, uh, being one of them. But I have a nostalgia attached to certain films. We just haven't really discussed them. Yeah. I mean, you look at um, Halloween, that's my favourite film of all time, and I think that's a highly down to nostalgia, because I grew up with it, like, yeah. each stage of my life I'd watch that film over and over again, and um, to the point now, I you know, I think it's flawless, and I think it's one of my favourite films of all time. And so. that's where, and that, to me, that's where favourite films and best films, there's the, I differentiate between the two. Yeah. 
Nightmare on Elm Street is one of my favourite films. Yeah. I love that film. I love watching it. I love everything about it. But I know that it's technically not the best film. Mm. In terms of, you know, filmmaking or acting, there are some iffy moments. Mm. I know it's not the best film, as in the best um, executed film. Yeah. It's like, but I'm, it's a great film. And yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a sh- shit film, mm. you know, but because I have a nostalgia attached to it and because I can appreciate some of the iffier moments, it's one of my favourites because it's one that I enjoy watching. Yeah. It's like why I would only do on my letterbox while I've only got 100 favourite films of all time and wouldn't do 100 best films of all time because... I mean, on my favourite films of all time, I'm putting Halloween ahead of the likes of fucking Jaws, Jurassic Park, Drive, Sunset Boulevard. Am I saying that it's a better made film than any of those? Hell no, of course not. No. But as far as my personal choice, I prefer it to all those because it is my favourite film of all time. Yeah. And that's just how we see things. Yeah. Um, I, I find... I, I tend... I try not to put... Apart from in this podcast, I try not to put my opinion out there too much on films, um, on social media. Um, I, I like to post... Mainly, I just kind of post what Blu-rays I've bought or, you know, what films that I do like, you know, because I don't... I can't be asked, you know, with... Sometimes the conversations can... Get oh, people bit, take it so seriously. You can take it way too seriously. You know, you know, if I don't like a film, you know, and if I can give you valid reasons for mm. that, then, you know, shut up. <laughs> yeah. People, like, treated me like I killed their mother because I didn't like Elite Battle Angel. It's like, fucking calm down. You didn't make the film. Yeah. Me not liking it doesn't make a single bit of difference to your enjoyment of it. No, sometimes it's just personal preference. I got a fucking... Death threat because I didn't like Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that film's fucking dog shit. And if you know, if you don't agree with that, you don't have to fucking be aggressive about it. I feel like we've gone on a massive tangent. We have gone on a massive so tangent. So sorry about how people need to calm the fuck down about no. people's opinions. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so back to the film. Howard goes to talk to the detectives about when he saw Tina Turner at the top of a hill. Um, and uh, he said the person he saw was far too big to be a man. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwaway scene, I suppose. Howard goes back to the church, starts taking some pictures, and he says, "What a handsome smile!" About Rawhead's face. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah. Quality, absolute quality banter from this man. He reads some writing on the church window that says. Death goes in fear. Okay. Uh, again, that doesn't really mean anything to the film. And then the priest, the priest, the priest arrives, uh, and he is a bigger arsehole than he was originally. He smashes Howard's camera. Howard's the like the verger. The verger, whatever the fuck he is. <laughs> I've got him written down as priest throughout the whole thing. Um, he smashes Howard's camera and he's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Howard's like, what did you do that for? <laughs> and, he's uh, a holy man swearing, so you know he's bad yeah. news. 
So Howard's like, you know, fuck this. Um, he leaves, and it, it's really weird. It's like they're swearing, like with no particular purpose at each other. Like, yeah, I'll get the fuck out of here. So you get the fuck out of it. I'll get the fuck out of here I right mean, now. I think the whole idea <laughs> is that the the moment this verger starts swearing, like like I just said, is you know, it's not something you would expect from somebody, from you know, who is a man of God. What's even the fucking phrase for that? Know. I don't know. A man of God. There we go. Yeah. Um. So it's unexpected, and you know that he's his mind's been altered by this. Tina Turner. Big, hot, alter. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the fuck the altar did to uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking vision that he altar. had. Well, Howard's had enough of this. He's not happy about his camera, so he, his wife, and his kids decide to leave. To go to Dublin, and his wife is so happy about it, she sings a Dublin song. She does. How's uh, it go? Dublin, Dublin. That's it. There we go. Um, the son wants to know there's a McDonald's in Dublin. There's simple things in life. The um, mum sees a scarecrow. Yeah. And gets <laughs> scared. And there's a big scene where we all think it's Raw Head Rex, even uh, though it didn't really look like Raw Head Rex. No. And she says, that take him out her that wants to go to Dublin. This is all her idea. It's like, let's go back and have a look. Oh, why the fuck? You know there's someone out there killing people. Why the fuck would you want to go back and have a look? So she goes back and it was a scarecrow. So they carry on driving. Um, the detective cuts in between the scene with the detectives uh, who have been given a terrible drawing by little Neil of what he thinks Raw Head Rex looks like. Yeah. It's fucking awful. But now they're starting to believe uh, the American man. Yeah. Um, and then we find out the daughter... Has to pee. Mm-hmm. So, um, Howard pulls over, and he, they, again, they know there's a killer on the loose, and like, yeah, go on, she'll be fine, go off on your own. Well, that's the mum, isn't it? <laughs> the mum's just like, oh, she'll be okay. Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it, the mum probably wants her to die. Whatever, she needs to piss, she'll just go the, over there. The mum hates the kids, so she probably wanted her to die anyway. She does, yeah. Um... Howard's like, nah, do you know what? I'll go with her. But he still doesn't technically go with, goes with her. He goes over to the field. He's like, go over there and have a piss behind that green bush. Well, she didn't need to go behind the bush, to be fair. No. She could have just went behind the wall and no yeah. one looked. She was just as visible to anyone in the field. It's true. The girl screams. Um, Howard and his wife run over to her. Uh, it turns out she's found a dead rabbit dun, dun, dun. this is one of the most memorable scenes in this film for me like when we rewatched it this scene just clipped with me immediately like, I was like okay this is my favourite scene in this film Raw Head Rex approaches the car um, where the kid's in there reading his uh, his comic book uh, The Sun and uh, Raw Head Rex drags him out um, Howard sees this at first he just stands there watching doesn't react. And then it clicks. And, oh, shit. My son's being kidnapped. So he runs over. And then this is when Howard forgets how to, ha- how to act. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. I, I was waiting for you to elaborate. Oh, I was, oh, I was waiting for an exp- explanation. No, he, he runs over to the car. Um, and at this stage, the kid's still being dragged out of the car by Rawhead Rex. And the dad just stops and just stares again. Like, he doesn't try and save him. Not really. So he's dragged out of the car. Um, we see his shoe's been left behind. And the dad runs out into the woods after him. And, oh, my God. He has a fucking terrible meltdown. It is so laughable. <laughs> he is. It's like I said earlier, that whenever his volume's raised, 
his acting skills plummet. It's so over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a hilarious argument between him and the detectives. So, yeah, so the, the bad acting continues when he's shouting at the police officers at the station. Yeah. Um, the mother is really struggling to convey any sort of yeah. <laughs> she, she is so happy that the kid has died. Like, another one off her uh, plate now. She doesn't but care about like, it. I am being friendly, but if, you know, your child has just been killed. Yeah. But even the daughter doesn't give a shit. No, she's just having a little um, nap, I think, or something. Yeah. Like, uh, but the mother said... They're not bothered. There's not a single tear. No. There's not, you know, she's not screaming, she's no. not shouting. <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> in fact, when it happened, she stayed in the same place with the daughter. They didn't even run after him. No. It was just the dad. Yeah. Well, she was pissing, weren't she? <laughs> Can't be carrying your child whilst they're still having a piss. Well, the verger after this, uh, after the argument, the verger gives us a bit of backstory. Um, oh yeah. To to Howard. Very interesting. Then Howard solves uh, solves the window puzzle. But going back to the backstory, it makes me laugh how the the verger all of a sudden knows all of this. Like, he has every bit of knowledge now on Raw Head Rex and the history of Raw Head Rex. So, my my um, gathering of this is when the verger touched... I don't know, he seemed a little off to begin with, though, didn't he? Yeah. But when he touched this altar and had this vision of Raw Head Rex, he suddenly became Raw Head Rex's... Encyclopedia. Well, <laughs> kind of slave... I don't know, like, his mind had been altered yeah, it, by Raw Head Rex. So he's giving all this information to this American dude. And it's like, well, if you're trying to save someone from killing Raw Head Rex, you wouldn't give all this info over, would you? You'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Howard solves the window puzzle. Yeah, so he realises that the stained glass holds the secret to defeating Raw Head Rex. Um, it's, uh, it's something to do with the bloke in the stained glass um, was holding an object up um, and he just needs to figure out what the object was because seemingly from the old story, that's what killed Rawhead Rex to begin with all those years ago. So he just needs to find this object, which I assumed would have been some sort of knife yeah. or... Uh, a sword or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not quite that exciting. No, we, we'll find out in a bit exactly what the object was. Well, Howard tells Coot that it's as plain as a nose on your face. I saying I didn't know it was a thing until I watched this. <laughs> when we first watched this, Gary was inexplicably laughing at that phrase. And I was like, well, why are you laughing at it? I was like, well, oh, it's a silly phrase, isn't it? I was like, Quite old fashioned, really. Plain as the nose on your yep. face. Never heard of it. No. Showing your age there. <laughs> and he didn't invent the fucking phrase. <laughs> um, Coot touches the demon altar, uh, but nothing really happens to him. He like moves back before he can do anything. Yeah, I don't get that. Why did it happen to the verger, but the priest, the old Coot, yeah. touches it? Oh, that was close there. <laughs> I almost didn't say Coot then. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he touches it and takes his hand off straight away. Yeah, he's, got, he's all right. He's got a little bit of a burn, really. 
Well, ambitions for him. After this, uh, we are taken back to the knitting and the alcohol and the caravan. But now they've got friends there. She's still doing a knitting because um, that's her character trope. But we get a bunch of disposable characters who are there and they're being told the story of the night when little Neil went to the caravan. (laughs) Rawhead Rex shows up and uh, he's not having any of this. He's not having people talking about him behind his back. I know. So, um... to my face. Yeah, he heard they were talking shit. So he goes and starts shaking the caravan. He does. Ends up tipping it over. does. And then it's just a fucking murder spree. (laughs) In a caravan park. So he goes balls to the wall on at the caravan park, drags the um, drags the guy the alcoholic drags out. Drags the yeah. alcoholic out. Kills bites, him. Bites him. Uh, drags a young lady out, ripping her top, <laughs> getting her boobs out. And this is, see it's shit like this <laughs> that I'm like you know why are you taking yourself seriously, but you have this moment that exists just so this young lady can show her breasts in your film. You know, that's um, Friday the 13th part 29 shit. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense considering Rawhead's a gay icon, why he'd want to see this woman's boobs. But he he rips the top off, uh, smacks another guy's head against the caravan, uh, strangles another guy because he shoots a car behind him and it explodes. Oh, the shit shot. <laughs> this bloke tries to shoot him, completely fucking misses, hits some gas tank. <laughs> I don't know how many people he fucking killed with that one. Good going. He probably killed more people than Rawhead Rex yeah. killed that whole film. Um, but then Steve. Rawhead strangles him. Um, then the detectives and the police go to, uh, go to the caravan park, but they miss Rex as he walks away carrying a head. Um, we cut back to American Dude. Oh, me? God, yeah. More stained glass explanation <laughs> to his wife. I didn't even note that bit down because it was so yeah, fucking boring. Yada, yada, yada. Even his wife was bored out of her mind. Then the kid fell asleep at this stage. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one wanted to hear this shit. And then we cut back to old Rawhead Rex, and he's done some sort of hypnotherapy shit on yeah, the policeman. He steals a cop from the car and uh, he hypnotizes him with his eyes. The other cop just fucking kills himself. He, he just flips the car over because of his terrible driving. Yeah, I don't really get the point of this. I don't, I don't get it. So the Verger was sort of seemingly taken over by Rawhead Rex via touching the altar. Whereas this policeman dude is taken over because of some red eyes. Hypnotised by Rawhead's beautiful eyes. apparently. Um... We go back to the police station and uh, a policeman offers Howard a cup of tea. And what does he say to him? Why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> I'll pass that message on. I'll pass. <laughs> I don't know who's passing the message on to. He said it to the police officer that offered him the cup of tea. Um, the, for one of the film's most bizarre scenes, uh, I think this is one of the scenes that's most popular amongst the cult fans of this film... Um, Rawhead has a piss on the priest, uh, on the verger. I don't get this. This is very Clive Barker, but it's very badly executed Clive Barker. We all know Clive Barker's in some fucking weird shit. Like, even in some of his other films, other than Hellraiser. Isn't he meant to be a little kinky in real life? Yeah, like, 
The I think the novels that half of this stuff is based on are actually quite erotic. Oh wow! Um, okay, but uh, not in a uh, sexy kind of way. I mean, it depends what you're into. Yeah, but um, in a very S and M here to judge. Uh, yeah, in a very S and M type of way. Mm. Um, I mean, look at the wave. Look at what Rawhead looks like. For fuck's sake. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I believe if I mean I haven't read the um, you know the short story this is based on, but. I bet in the short story this is played out a little differently. Maybe. Um, you know. But uh, the piss kind of looks white. It took me yeah, a while. I, I thought it was I a little jizzy. I don't know if it's meant to be uh, jizz, but it's jizz. it's one of those... I think it's Clive Barker, you know, trying to cause a bit of controversy, putting a demon, pissing over a man of God. Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I, you know, the... It's a very dark concept where it came from, but because of the film it's placed in, it looks fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's just funny. It, it doesn't look like it's trying to prove a point. It's it just, just looks funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially with what Rawhead looks like, this fucking rubber mask. Um, yeah, and the priest is loving it. The priest, uh, the verger, whatever the fuck he is, he's loving it. Um <laughs> Coot, however, is not as amused. He sees it like, okay, yeah, fuck this. It's disgraceful. He runs inside, locks up the door, um, and, uh, yeah, pissy verger says, uh, he, he breaks into the house with Rex, and he says... Uh, it's not the house, it's the... Um, church, church, sorry, church. Uh, he breaks in, and uh, he says that Rex wants to baptise Coot as well, so he also wants to piss on him. Mm. <laughs> Coot's not into that though. No, um, they chased him around for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, then we get some more exposition because you know that's obviously what we all wanted. Some more exposition from the verger about Rawhead. It's like Rawhead. That's what they called him. He was dead before God. Um, and uh, then he says, "Get upstairs, fuckface. I can't keep God waiting." So <laughs> we now know Rawhead is a god. Well, apparently. The god that pisses on people. Yeah, apparently. Um, we get a bit of drat it back and forth between Verger and Coot. Uh, Verger gives Coot to uh, to Rex. The police arrive and uh, Coot's like, do you know what, I'm in a horror film, I know what I need to do. Gets a cross, holds it up to Rex, but uh, Rex ain't having that and he crushes the cross and uh, attacks Coot. So the whole idea is that Rawhead isn't, can't get into the church. Yeah. Um, but the Verger's working on his behalf and and gets the priest to Rawhead. So I, I don't know, just these rules made up as they go along. Yeah, pretty much. Um, outside, the police turn up and uh, so do the villagers. Um, they all stand around and say random lines of dialogue like, kill the murdering bastard. And then once Rex walks outside carrying Coot, one of them says, oh, the poor soul. <laughs> what was the other one? <laughs> Jesus have mercy on his soul. <laughs> well, he's got he's got the priest up for a uh, <laughs> gorilla press slam. Yeah. Um, and he's holding him up in the air and, and just decides to throw him in some random ladies. <laughs> God have mercy on his soul. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really random lines of dialogue that are just thrown in. Um, so... Yeah, he, throw, he throws Coot, and uh, the hypnotised cop sets fire to all the cop cars. We get some more explosions. 
This is what I think this is where the budget went. Yeah. It definitely wasn't on the costume. There were people on fire. Apparently it took two days to shoot this scene of everybody on fire. Including the cop himself who yeah. sort of sacrificed himself for Rawhead. <laughs> sacrificed himself yeah. for Rawhead. Um Yeah, pretty much. That's that's what happens. Howard goes to the church. Uh, Coot's still alive and says some shit about the altar and then dies. Uh, the verger is in the... So Howard goes into the church and the verger's just throwing stuff around. Uh, making stupid fucking noises. It's like... Um, and then him and Howard have a little bit of a scrap. They do, a little bit of a fight. Um, which Howard <laughs> finally realises that he need whatever he wants is in the altar. Yeah, so he hits uh, the verger over the head of a book. Yeah, and you think it's going to be, oh, it's like King Arthur and Excalibur yes, moment. Big sword. He's going to get the whatever it is out and fight Rawhead Rex to the death. And what he pulls out is some fucking grey avocado looking... Statue. Statue. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not even sure what it's of. It just looks weird yeah it, it, it's literally they must have needed it last minute and they just picked it up from a random garden centre it nearby. looks like and I know this is a very random reference but it popped into my head um, Cannibal Holocaust and you know when one of the cannibals is um, beating that woman up yeah with that stone thing it kind of just looks like that yeah some random stone Sorry, that's a really Honestly, random reference. I think it may have just been found outside somewhere. Maybe. Or they got it from a random garden centre nearby. Um, or there's no budget for a weapon. Yeah, but uh, it's just a statue after all that time. And, uh, yeah, so uh, the Virgil runs off screaming because he sees a statue. And uh, Howard approaches Rex with it. And he's like, okay, sweetheart, let's do it. Yeah. And then he just keeps saying, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do, let's it. do it. And it doesn't get done. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, instead, Rex... Um, well, the Verger keeps interrupting, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rex kills him. I think yeah, he has he enough of this. and he's like, oh, you're annoying me now. And then Howard's wife turns up, apparently for no reason, because, I mean, you know, where's the kid at this stage? Yeah. But she just turns up, but then we find out there's a good reason for but this. What, what did I suppose... Is the caravan park close to the church? I didn't think it was, but... I didn't think it was. I mean, they had to drive there before. Yeah, um, it was seemingly the next around the door corner. now. Um, so she must have heard the explosion, worried about her husband, went to investigate, found herself at a church that's conveniently next door to the caravan park now. Yeah. Uh, Howard is fighting with Rex. Rex grows some new nails. Very glamorous. <laughs> Very nice. And then uh, the wife turns out to be the most important part of the film as she holds up the statue and we start getting some uh, lovely CGI effects surrounding Rex. She's like fucking She-Ra, isn't she? Yeah, but she just stands still. Yeah. She just stands there holding the statue up whilst all these effects happen around her. But what her. made her pick it up? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I thought maybe she was going to try and throw it or yeah. use it. No. But no. She just holds it up in the air and... You know, by the power of Grayskull. Yeah, some um, cloaked woman comes out of it. Yeah, yeah, whoever the fuck that is. Whoever that was. No reference to her before. Um, yeah, and, and then... then he rea- Howard realises it had to be a woman. 
Don't know why. Don't know why. Yeah, there's there's no explanation as to why it had to be a woman to hold the statue up. Maybe we switched off during all the um, gibberish that was talked. Maybe. And maybe they explained that it did have to be a woman. And maybe there was some explanation as to why he didn't kill the pregnant woman. Something to do with motherhood or something. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's explained better in the, the book. Yeah. Might have to give the book a read. Well, Rex is killed and he's buried underneath uh, a random grave. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. We get a shot of everyone's favorite mullet character, little Neil. Yeah. So we end. Uh, so that very carry shot. Shira moment is mm-hmm. goes on way to way way too long. Yeah. And then we get to the end of the film, and little Neil's putting flowers on um, Andy's um, grave. Grave. And yeah. Very, very carry. Rex jumps up out of the grave. Jumps up out of the grave. That's the end of and the film. We end on that. So yeah, very um, uh, very confusing. Uh, a miss, real hodgepodge, mishmash. Um, bit of here, there, and everywhere. I don't know what it wants to be. It takes itself far too seriously. Um, a bit funny, entertaining. Yeah, I suppose so. Very entertaining. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a fun film. Um, I mean, not for the right reasons, but yeah, yeah, I had fun with it. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to read the novel, though. Yeah. I, I'm trying, personally, I'm trying to push towards um, reading uh, books uh, that films are based on before I watch the film. I'm trying to give that a go. I know it's more difficult because books take up a lot more time than films do. Um, but I I'm trying to push toward that or, or try and read some sort source material. Yeah. After I've watched a film, Partic- particularly a film like this that you know, could have, been better than it was. Maybe the uh, Clyde Barker's original story, would be better. Yeah, I I've got all of my audible wish lists, so I will be. Uh, I'm gonna listen to yeah. those. See what they like. Yeah, it'd be good. But yeah, I'll give it a five out of ten. I give it a three out of ten. I couldn't really rate it any higher than that because it's not a particularly well made film. No. But it, you know, entertainment value can't really complain too much. Uh yeah, so that's Rawhead Rex. Um, ne- well, we will be back next week with our first of two Valentine's episodes. Um, the first one we'll be talking about Valentine, nineties yes. uh, slasher classic. So this was my choice, and it, I like I said earlier, it's one of those films that I have a nostalgia attached to. You know, I had it on VHS, and I used to watch it fairly often. So it would be be interesting to watch that one again. Yes, and. We will be back sooner than that as well, because Friday is our first original verse remake episode where we'll be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we put polls out um, over the weekend. People weren't very happy about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe people misunderstood what, yeah. what the poll was for. Um, of course, 
we believe that the original is far, far, far superior to the remake. Yeah, seven people don't agree. Well, 164 think, people do agree. Yeah, I think seven people were trolling. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea was to get a gist of just how much better people thought the yeah. original was to the remake. But I think people believed that maybe we were given too much credit yeah, to the remake. Yeah, like people can't... By asking the question yeah. to begin with. It's kind of... I don't know. It's like, calm the fuck down. It's just a poll. It's a not lit. a fucking... We're not saying that there is any competition at all. Of course yeah, it's not. It's it's just a bit of fun, really. And I think sometimes it gets... It can get spoiled. Um, like I said earlier, sometimes that's why I don't put too much of my opinions out there yeah. on social media because I, I can't be asked with it all. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not going to get into an argument with someone over... You know, um, over the credibility of a film or or whatnot, we all like what we like. We dislike what we dislike. Mm-hmm. And if we can have a bit of fun with it, like we we try to do with this podcast, then, you know, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, and despite um, you know, all you shady little bitches in the comments, uh, apart from that, you know, we've had a, a bit of a rise in the last week, um, of listeners, and uh, we've had a new rating on iTunes. Um, that four star rating still there. Whoever put that, fuck you very much. Um, can we, uh, yeah, just, you know, I mean, uh, as I say every week, if you are listening on iTunes, rate, review and subscribe. It helps a massive deal. Um, but yeah, we've had uh, a lot more positive comments over the past week. A lot of people have latched on now. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud and, you know, Podbean, YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. Uh, we're on social media, if you don't already know. Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Tell us your opinions on Rawhead Rex. Um, you know, continue to let us know how much you love Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. We won't We won't name and shame you if you like the remake. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Gazmo205, GasCruise92 on Twitter. DeadAtGaz92 on Letterboxd. I am Chris Barker eight two three on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And until next time, don't go pushing over any stones in Ireland. You will yes. uh, unleash a uh, Tina Turner tribute act, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll see you on Friday. Bye.